song you never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. Welcome back to Common Folk. The podcast for the people, by the people. <laughs> like when we try and go that route. Something like that. Andy, your yeah. voice is a little bit more groggly today. Are you hungover or are you... Uh... Yeah, I'm usually hungover. No, you're not. <laughs> no, uh, you had a long no, You got a head cold. Yeah. Did I give you... You know, like you heard me last week. I sounded like a dude. Are you the one that got me sick? Yeah, that's what I'm you wondering. Are? Like we'll just be oh, in this little tight yeah. room. Okay, I was blaming my kids. I blame my kids for a lot of things. Okay. So I think they went to daycare, got sick. That's usually the case. Yeah. 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 Not my fault, but yeah, you're right. It was somebody else's fault, not my fault. Okay. (laughs) Well, there's all this crap going around, allergies and all that stuff. Just wondered. I think the main thing is, was that concert we went to. Yeah. Eric. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. You know, we're... We were a section. He would point at us, and then the guy's out of Plattsmith. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was making some noise. I was having fun. Yeah, it was all that yelling you were mm, doing. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, and dancing. Yeah. <laughs> dancing. I don't know about that. <laughs> all right. He wasn't dancing, guys. He wasn't dancing. What do you got for us all today, right, Ben? All right. So picking up where we left off, we're um, still here in studio with Lieutenant Howard Banks. What's going on, man? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me again. For sure. For sure. So... Uh, this particular topic is another one that I've been thinking about for a long time, and I'm super excited to speak with someone who has been heavily involved in it, and that is school resource officers. So, um, you know, I, I don't, and maybe you would know, but I, I don't know what it's like all across the U.S., but police officers, actual police officers, have been put into schools to be on duty at schools uh, all, all around, all around the U.S. There's probably areas where they're not at this point. But uh, for us in the town that we um, went to school in, I want to say that the first police officer there that I remember would have been around like 97, 98. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Sophomore, junior year. Yep. <clears throat> Is that, that true? Was- Yes, that's the first time when Bellevue start actually incorporating school resource officers um, because, yes, you guys had Officer Bees. Officer Bees. Oh, yes. that's right. Yeah, He was right on west. a bike. Yep. yep. He's still a police officer. He's got, actually a yeah. lieutenant for us. He is. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that was and, – and it was um, – I think it was probably only high schools at that time. Were they – did we have officers in, in middle schools or elementaries? I don't think so. I don't remember that. Um – trying to think um i can't recall i believe we had one person at the time officer dryer who may have been doing some sro work in the middle schools and kind of like made the rounds and went back and Bouncing forth, yeah. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. because we yeah. were teaching dare and great oh yeah that's right yep that yep. Right. yep so um so we and and i remember that i remember a police officer coming in and 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 having the presence and and the patrol car sitting out in front of the school and things like that policing and being around police and stuff like that wasn't anything new to me because my dad was an officer but it was kind of strange i remember thinking as a kid like man we have to have a we have to have a cop at our school like what's going on you know what's next is it metal detectors is it you know Mm -hmm. whatever else is the security just going to keep going up and then as i got older and and learned more about it and saw everything that they were doing I'm behind it 120% now. Mm. Um, and that's some of the things that I want to get into. But um, to kind of to start painting this picture a little bit, let's talk about your journey. So you got on to the force, and after a few years, you took on an SRO role. Is that correct? You yeah. guys keep saying SRO. What does that stand for? School resource officer. Okay. All right. Yep. We well, yep. said it before, yep. and I'm like, yep. well, people may not. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So actually, I'm going to back up a little. Okay. So SROs, school resource officers, um, start being put in schools as early as the 1970s. Oh, wow. And really? initially, I know people think school resource officers um, were put in the schools for safety reasons, mm-hmm. which yep. that is a part of it. But the biggest reason they were put in there initially was for relationship building because they wanted mm. to bridge the gap between police officers and our youth. Um, people felt that high school was the age where 
kids are going to start driving mm-hmm. and whatnot, and they may get pulled over and start having interaction with police officers. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want the first interaction to be negative. So they figured, okay, if they can put SROs in schools, they can already have a positive interaction. Plus, SROs can start teaching kids about different things um, as far as laws with driving, but also just criminal law stuff to hopefully um, play a role in their life that if they can teach kids these things, then they would be less likely to do them when they get after they graduate and get out and become adults. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And and yeah, and that's perfect. Um, And that's brilliant. Because to me, when I look at it, and and this is this is kind of the the conversation that we'll get into in the debate with like school violence and things like this. Um, I see that as being the more important part. Yes, is that relationship building that just that presence that that first interaction the you know the opportunity to to teach and 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 interact you know and, and you mentioned earlier we grew up with these programs this dare program drug abuse resistance education I think is what it was right. Mm-hmm. Um, the great program that was gang resistance, education and training. There you go. So, and, and it was now that I think about that, now that you say that I do remember the officer coming to our middle school and teaching that. And that was the interaction that we had. Yes. Um, the SRO program, SRO program has since evolved to the safety piece. Even back when all of us were young, school was a safe haven. Mm Mm-hmm where you didn't go to school worrying about a school shooting occurring or no. somebody yeah. coming in there to do damage or whatever. School was kind of almost like a home base where, mm-hmm. hey, once we I got here, I'm protected. Tornado drills. That was about it. Yes. Right? Yep. Tornado and fire. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Mm. Um, so speaking of my journey, as we talked of on the last podcast, mm-hmm. um, yes, after a couple of years on the force, I end up interviewing and going back to the same high school I graduated from to be an SRO, um, which I did that initially for five years. And then I end up supervising the school resource officers for, I can't even remember how many years, um, eight, nine. Mm -hmm. um, But it was a long time. Um, That was my niche in policing, what I enjoyed doing just because I felt that I could have a connection with students and hopefully share some experiences that I've been through in life and hopefully that would help them in some way. Um, I knew it wouldn't happen immediately because you have some people that, okay, it may turn them around initially, but some people may be 30, 35 years old before it, it sinks in. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the goal is for it to sink in eventually. When you think about it, you know, a lot of people, they only ever interact with a police officer when something's wrong. Correct. And it's uh, yeah. and it's very few and far between those interactions. So they're only going to have a few interactions and it's when something's wrong. That opportunity to have those interactions on a day-to-day basis in just regular life in school. I mean, when you start putting all these things together, it's almost a no-brainer, you know, that, we're, <laughs> that we have officers in our schools. But could I make the argument? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay. 100%. Um, and this is an old movie, and I, I believe in a lot of the things. It was a Morgan Freeman movie where, you know, it comes out like every seven years. A superintendent or a teacher is going to go to this school in the ghetto and change it, right, mm-hmm. make it for the better. And he got to this place, I think it was in Chicago, and they had bars on the windows. And the windows were always getting broke. And the first thing he says, get those bars off the windows. If you if, if we're going to cage the kids up, they're going to act like animals. Yep. You know, talking so, about lean on me. There you go. Oh, it's I was actually like in New Jersey. I was there, thinking there danger. You go. <laughs> there you go. I was thinking dangerous minds. Well, like, but that's okay, a, but that's okay. exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Every seven movies, it's <laughs> lean on me, then dangerous minds. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. just you know, gotcha. a different variation of it. Um, and I feel that once you put a police officer in the school every day, you're kind of painting a picture like, okay, these kids need to be supervised. They need to have a uh, police officer there on the grounds because mm. they're breaking the law. They're, they're, they're little rapscallions. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, okay, now you're telling these kids that you need to have a police officer looking over you every day, and now we're setting this expectation that they're lawbreakers. I Now, what, how you guys have painted this picture, you know, it, it's completely opposite of that, mm-hmm. and I get it. I get the relationship. But could we, could we do the relationship building without being on the grounds all day, every day? Or do you think it's one of those things where, no, we need boots on the ground to to kind of forge that relationship? To me, my opinion, 
Um, you need boots on the ground and you need to meet the kids at their level. Mm-hmm. Now, when we look at movies like A Lean on Me or something, or if you look at just... And that's based on a true story, but... Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you put an SRO in a school just like that, then to me, you are separating and saying, hey, we are doing this because you guys need it. Mm-hmm. But if you put it in most all schools where it doesn't matter if you're in the ghetto or in the suburbs or whatever, mm-hmm. then you're not separating them okay. then you're kind it's of showing hey we're doing this in all mm-hmm. so we're not picking out this in particular school saying hey you guys are bad that's why you need it um so we got to look at it from an educational standpoint mm-hmm. of why cops are being put in schools because like we talked about on the podcast there is a difference between well things that the average citizen does not know mm-hmm. and when we look at kids learning stuff and things they can and can't do and we were kids once so we know there was stuff that um, we probably did that we shouldn't have mm-hmm. um, and lieutenant i'm very average so you, yeah. <laughs> you, you got me yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so just being there it, the more positive people that you can have in a kid's life, mm-hmm. the better. especially during those years, the better and to teach them. And ultimately, if a kid turns out bad, our job, whether it's if you're a parent or a teacher or a police officer, if you're talking to somebody and telling them, hey, here's the pros and cons of doing certain things. Here's what you should be doing. Here's the law. At least they have the knowledge. If a kid messes up and nobody ever told them mm-hmm. to me, that's on the adults. That's on the parents. Agree. But if they have all the information mm-hmm. and they're doing dumb stuff, especially as they get older, then that's on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We didn't neglect you by not telling you. We told you and you still made this decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you're saying and, and the point that I was making earlier, you know, about most people's interactions are pretty few and far between and usually negative is if you can have that day to day presence, it just it normalizes that that interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I think subconsciously it helps the kids just get to a point where it's like yeah it's just another police officer yeah. like i'm not like i'm not threatened i don't i don't have anything mm-hmm. to worry about yeah. like it's you know like yeah they they'll help me if if i need it yeah. but they're just a regular person here as well and i think that's one of the biggest parts about correct. it correct just know? normalizing it right yeah. um but also when we look at change and let's say if you take a person that maybe they're from uh, an environment or a house that is not stable and not so good. Mm-hmm. When you look at turning around somebody, the more time that you're around that person, the more of an impact you're going to have. Mm-hmm. If a person is in their bad environment for all day and you spend, hey, once every six months as a police officer, I come around you and come to a carnival or do something, yeah. that is going to do absolutely nothing to turn you around. Yeah. But if I'm there, maybe for, which kids are in school for, a lot of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking yeah. seven, eight yeah. hours or whatever, and I'm around that kid for that long, then the chances of you having a greater impact that's going to stick is more likely. Yeah, it enables you to make that impact. Correct. You know, sets the table. And and if, you know, folks who are listening to this, if they listened to the previous episode when we talked about how you came up and what your childhood was like and so on and so forth, you you mentioned, you said straight up that what you were told and what you saw of police officers when you were a, a young boy in New Jersey was a lot of negativity and a lot of people in the neighborhood talking trash about them and so on and so forth. If you had an officer in your school every day at that age that you were able to interact with, your perspective probably would have been completely different yep. on them. Absolutely. Yep. Which is why when I got to high school and we had our, our school resource officer, mm-hmm. why he was one of the ones that helped uh, help me far as wanting to become a police officer mm-hmm. um, and I'm a black male and he was a, a white male but yep. I wanted to show people like hey anybody can do this job um, yep. black person um, and that all cops aren't bad that they're good mm-hmm. ones out and we can have a, a major impact on yeah. some kids lives what would you say um, in speaking about the school resource officer what is the role of the school resource officer from from beginning to end yep so there's a few roles that they play um, not only being a law enforcement officer, but they're a mentor. You know, people are looking at what cops do. Mm-hmm. It's even outside of school. If you go to a restaurant and you see a cop in full uniform, 
people are watching. And if mm-hmm. that cop does something stupid, people are going to call and complain and because they're going to say, hey, this person's held to a higher standard. Yeah. So you're a mentor, not only for those students, but also the staff, um, counselor. So it's an informal role. Yes, Mm -hmm. most police officers don't have degrees in that area. But when you deal with so many situations in life, you become good at it. Mm -hmm. And you know bad and good stuff, and you're able to offer advice. And, yes, kids are going to come to you and ask certain stuff. And so you're absolutely a counselor and you're a teacher Mm -hmm. because you're teaching about laws and different stuff and So you play so many roles. Um, I was thinking in general about just my life as a police officer, and I can name more jobs that I do than jobs that I don't do. Mm. Wow. Um, Where, you know, you think like a a person that picks up trash, and yes, as we're patrolling on the street, yeah, you're out moving stuff and picking (laughs) up trash out the street and doing different things. I'm not a doctor, but... You show up to a scene where somebody's injured. Yes, you have some medical um, training, so you better do something. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're a nurse or whatever that day. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep, counselor, you get to a dispute between a husband and wife or, or, excuse me, between boyfriend, girlfriend or whoever, girlfriend, girlfriend, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You're still a counselor. You're Mm -hmm. trying to help and give advice and resolve their, their situation. So you basically act almost is everything you're a vet yep (laughs) and kids rely on that and being in the school setting is they come all the time and ask any and every question um it was crazy because one time i had a a student who he family life wasn't too good and he was rumor it was rumor going around about him getting this girl pregnant Okay. And I mean, she's going off and he's a deadbeat, this, this and this. And he was just having a hard time. And the kid had never had sex in his life. And so prior to this, and so he came in one day and asked me and started talking to me about, hey, they're saying that I got this girl pregnant. They're beating me up over it and all this stuff. And I asked him, like, well, what happened? And after he explained to me what happened, I had to explain to him, like, Dude, you didn't do anything that could get a girl pregnant. Yeah. And it kind of resolved the whole issue. But like so kids come to you for everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's um, we can all think about at a young age, you know, a lot of a lot of boys mm-hmm. when they get asked where they want to be when they grow up. A lot of them will say something like a police officer or a firefighter or whatever. And, um, you know, when you're in school, you're in elementary school and it's like, uh parent um come to school day and talk about what their job is and then if someone's dad or mom is a police officer or a firefighter or whatever and they come and all the kids yeah. look up to them and all these yeah, kinds yeah. of things the point that i'm making is that kids look up to that authority figure early on so it's funny to me when you say or, or it's very interesting to me when you say that that kid came to you as the sro to talk to about that as opposed to the actual school counselor mm-hmm. or the actual school nurse or 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 one of their teachers or whatever is because they mm-hmm. valued the authority and and the feedback and and felt like they really trusted what you were going to have to say and the point is, is that that's ingrained in a lot of us at a very mm-hmm. young age of those authority figures yeah. oh yeah so those police officers have a have a real responsibility to uphold that mm-hmm. you know and uh, and to to play that part yeah yeah, it's not just one job. It's not an easy job. Yeah. A lot's going to be coming at you. I, I think one thing that <clears throat> could be positive from this, and it's just a very small part of it, but you're wearing that gun, right, mm-hmm. every day, and kids see that. So then they, I think they start to, over time, they're not scared of that gun, and they also see that it never goes off. It never kills anybody. I think that's a know? great question and a great yeah. topic. Like what, and maybe this is what you're getting at, like did you ever have very many questions about that? Yes. They ask any and every question. Um, and what I would do is even actually as early as middle uh, elementary, I'd go in to the classes and I would talk about my entire uniform, show mm-hmm. them my vest. I'd pass around my handcuffs, my baton and talk about our job. And they would ask all the time, have I ever shot anybody? Mm-hmm. Or have I ever used my handcuffs? And I, it would explain different things. So it's just a matter about being informative. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more kids are aware of, then the more knowledge they have when making decisions. Mm-hmm. When kids are curious or blind, that's when they get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to try to do is take away all that curiosity and then also build that trust. Yeah. Um, to make stuff to where it's common. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's common for us to – we're walking around in uniform with the gun and then eventually they don't even notice the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're just another person walking down the hallway that either they respect us or, or they don't. Um, and what people don't understand, I think, about policing and school resource officers, a police officer on the street and a SRO – completely different street law and school law completely different Mm. the officers that work the street there's a bunch of stuff about school law and stuff that they don't know and don't understand the sros not all but many they want to be in the schools they understand kids it takes patience to deal with them Officers will tell you working the street is easier than being a school resource officer Mm. i'm speaking from our agency. Mm-hmm. There's agencies around the country to where SRO was looked at as a retirement position mm. where, hey, this person really can't do the job of police anymore because they can't go chase anybody or do certain things or they're lazy. So, hey, I'm going to just stick them in the school. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I can hide them. Desk job. Yes. Okay. So it's like putting them out to pasture. Right? Yes. Okay. So I know it's was a big thing over the last few years where they're saying um, get SROs out of schools, which a lot of those school districts who adopted that and got them out of schools are now having to bring them back in Mm -hmm. because of the violence and the stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. And the SROs in the schools are specifically trained to be in the school. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like I said earlier, they want to be there. Um, Now, where I agree is The wrong SRO should not be in a school. Mm -hmm. If an agency is putting somebody there because of retirement or whatever, completely the wrong thing because the kids will see it and call BS Mm -hmm. on it and they will not make an impact. So the right person that wants to take the time to get to know the kids and build those relationships, they're going to be successful and they need to be in those schools. So there is separate training with you saying, you know, the streets and those cops out there are different than SROs. I mean, schooling, classes, what do they have to do? Yeah, so we all go through the same police academy, but after you become a school resource officer, um, like we would go to a a national SRO conference every year. Okay. There is a bunch of additional training that we do where we're learning about the teen brain and um, just more mental health stuff and those type things and how to build relationships with kids and... Um, the safety and stuff for mm-hmm. the school, different search and seizure laws um, is completely different as far as dealing with the school and then dealing with somebody out on the street. Mm. So there's a ton of different uh, stuff that comes okay. into play. So typically, so with SROs initially being put in the schools to build relationships and to bridge that gap, it is now shifted more towards the security reasons because of the school shootings and all the the stuff that occurs right when i say that being in the schools is harder people sometimes look at me like are you serious like yes on the street it's yeah it may be a busy day you take your call you're on that one call you finish that call you go on to your next one you may not ever see that person again The way that the staffing works, at least for our city, is there's supposed to be two officers for every 1,000 people. So if you take, let's say, 1,700, I'll make it simple, 1,800 students in a school, and then plus if they have 200 staff members, that's 2,000 people in a school setting. Technically, to police that on the street, there'd be four officers but there's only one. Oh, wow. So you not only deal with all the stuff that happens in the school, but because of built those relationships, typically people don't report stuff at home. They wait till they get back to the school to report it to the SRO. So as an SRO, it's mm-hmm. common you may be having four and five things waiting for you at once to deal with. And then you're dealing with stuff every single day. And it's repetitive to where... People make smart comments of, oh, you're probably just making sure the kids aren't late to class. And I'm like, I could, I care, 
about that because I want them to be in class, but no. I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. I'm not handling that. That's the school's business to deal with. Child abuse, huge. Drugs, whether it be uh, vaping with the marijuana or um, uh, cocaine or whatever. Mm-hmm. That stuff is huge in schools that people don't realize. Sexual assaults, um, domestic violence stuff. Um, there's just everything under the sun happens. So when I got in the schools, I experienced so much more than I had experienced on the streets that that's what I feel made me the most well-rounded officer by dealing with so much stuff. Okay. Yeah. So can you put together like real quick um, a typical day as an SRO? So what would that look like from the time you pull up? I mean, I assume that's where you start your shift is at the school. I don't know. But then how does that look? And what does that day look like? And what, what will you typically be presented with? And then what's it look like at the end of the day? Yeah, it varies daily. Um, some days you may have time where you can walk around and go into classes and talk to them about different things and law enforcement and whatnot and build relationships. But other days, no, it was you may either get called in early or you show up to the school and you want to greet kids as they come in. But also you're doing both building relationships, but also for safety purposes. Um watching kids, their reactions as far as when they're coming in and making sure there's no drama. Um, But from there, typically the busy days, stuff can spike. You know, hey, I have this kid with marijuana on him. Hey, I had, we just had four fights today that I got to deal with, which Mm -hmm. we try to let the school handle that stuff. And I think people tend to think, oh, well, the cops there. So if they get into a fight, they're going to arrest them. Again, speaking for our agency, we don't. We're there to me as a resource, Mm -hmm. which is if they get into a fight, then the school can handle. But we also can come in because we may have the best rapport with that student um, to where we're talking to them and educating them on, hey, somebody can get seriously hurt. Hey, when you get older, if you continue to do this stuff, then there may be some law enforcement may be stepping in and you may get arrested. And so we're trying to educate them. Um, Then it may suicide a huge thing that's daily Mm. and could be 10, 15 kids on a, on a every other day basis that are coming in saying they're suicidal, all the stuff that they're dealing with at home and um, not knowing their sexuality and struggling with that and peer pressure and so much stuff that these kids deal with. And then you get into school shootings and whatnot and, If you have a, you know, there's been times where one time I was working 24 hours straight because I had a hit list and that a kid made up and Mm. trying to identify why and talking to everybody on that list and seeing what role they played, talking to those parents, media, also understanding that I'm in the school. So I have to make sure that I'm just worrying about all these different organizations and entities. And it's no longer that, Hey, I'm just out on the street and only dealing with worrying about police. It's Mm. no, I have all this other stuff to worry about. So days can be full, um, dealing with the kids and the parent. There are some great parents, but then there's other times where you see a kid act a certain way and then the parent gets up there and you're like, I see exactly why the kid is the way they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is tough. Um, learn the most. Again, in my career, um, I would absolutely do it again in a heartbeat because when you see a kid, especially if they are struggling and going through adversity and you are able to play a part in turning them around, it's amazing. I still have kids to this day that come to my house and on vacation or they were playing football in college and I coached them in high school. And whenever they come back for college, they want me to still train them. So they're still in shape. Last year, I just got back from Kentucky because a kid I coached in football became a police officer in another state. And he told his department that I was one of the biggest reasons that he became an officer. Mm-hmm. How so cool is that? They mm-hmm. called me on the sneak and <laughs> asked me to come out there for his graduation to surprise him, and I did. So that's yeah, awesome. That's payment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Does uh, 
do do the school resource officers ever get like a break? You know what I mean? Like, because so you're there, you have most of them have a patrol car, right? Yes. And so do you, do you leave randomly during the day and go do something else, or do you like? Because it seems to me like it's just a from open opening bell till closing bell. You're just on, and you have to be on. But but there's things that I don't know about it. Yeah, you can still take lunch and do those type things, mm-hmm. but. You're kind of at the beck and call of the school. Yeah. We have a whole unit, so we will cover for each other if need be. If somebody's like, hey, I'm out at lunch, can somebody cover for me? But ultimately, you got to look at it as your own little city, and you take care of that city. Mm. And if something bad happens, you take it personal. Well, you should because you shouldn't want anything to happen on your watch. Um, So it's kind of what you make of it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say if it's the wrong SRO in there – then absolutely they should not be there and should be out of the school. Um, But just trying to have a vested interest in the school, do different things in there, educate people, um, let kids see you in a different light. Mm -hmm. Don't just come in there in uniform. I was big on occasionally get out of uniform and Mm. let those kids see that you're human. So dress down, go to the sporting events, go to other activities or something that's going on in the schools. Um, I would always go to uh, the parents' night conferences. Oh, sure. Yep. Yep. Student conferences to where I would talk to the parents. Mm -hmm. And some of them were like, oh, I know you haven't seen my kid. And I try to really impress upon them that, hey, I don't only see the bad kids. I see the good kids, too. And I want to come here and see their parents and tell you if they're doing good and whatnot. Because I think a lot of times... Yes, we should be giving resources and attention to the kids that need assistance. But a lot of times the good kids are left out because mm, mm-hmm. they're doing good, yeah. which shouldn't be the case. It's yeah. that whole reinforcement thing, that positive and negative reinforcement. If you're doing a good job and you get positive reinforcement, you're going to continue to do a good job and do a better job. Yes, I think that's what you're getting at. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about school shootings because it's a hot topic um, and there's a lot of debate about what role law enforcement should play in these school shootings and preventing them and stopping them, you know, so on and so forth. There's been uh, things that we've seen across the country where SROs have and have not been involved, have handled it properly, have not handled it properly. What do you think the role is from a security standpoint and for things like a school shooting or, 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 or you know, someone attacking the school, an active shooter? All right. Well, first I want to say – There needs to be at the beginning before any of this stuff happens. There needs to be communication. Too many times I think that people wait until something happens Mm -hmm. to say, oh, hey, we need to start addressing this. Um, We had a parental forum that we started in Bellevue to where we had the police department, the county attorney's office, school officials, where we had a different topic every month that we would bring parents into to talk to them about, hey, if this occurs – This is what the school will do. This is what police will do. This is what the county attorney's office will do. This is what kids are facing. So informative stuff. And we touched on school shooting and had a session about that. And there was only 50 parents that showed up. From a a district of thousands thousands, and thousands. Over 10,000. There you go. Yep. Students. Wow. And so like anything typical, many people don't want to get involved in something until it personally affects them. So if we do stuff like that, but then let's say a school shooting was to happen, we would have people come out of the woodwork saying, hey, well, how Mm -hmm. come we didn't plan and prep for this? Well, we were doing stuff, but you just didn't come. Mm -hmm. Um, So it takes planning, and those drills that we do are very important because people have to know what to do in those crisis situations. And when stress hits, People don't remember stuff unless you have practiced it over and over. And so um, law enforcement, along with these students, probably play the biggest role in that stuff um, and, the, and the staff because typically students know what's going on before any adult. Yeah. And even with these school shooting things, majority of the time somebody else knew mm-hmm. that this person had said they were going to do this. They just didn't say anything about it. So trying to get the kids to trust adults enough also to be 
have enough courage to speak up mm. when they hear something. Um, yes, there's been a lot of shootings. There have been times where officers either have or have not done something. Again, speaking from our agency, if that is going on, our job as police is we signed up for this. We are supposed to go in there mm-hmm. and handle our business. Uh, that's easier said than done. Sure, yeah. Because, again, when we talk about human nature and cops being humans, we may train, but we aren't training with real bullets flying at our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when something actually happens, I see the human side of it. It sucks that it takes something like that for somebody to see that, hey, you can't do this job. But the human side of me is like, I can only imagine if you are outside of a school and there's a school shooting going on and you're sitting there and you're hearing, hearing bullets or people getting killed and you're thinking, if I go in here, I may not come out. Yeah. Especially if you got a family. When the average person, if stuff like this is happening, they're, they're going, going the other, the other way. way. Mm-hmm. But you're expected to run towards mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big ask. But we signed up for it and right. I'm I I believe I would do it mm-hmm. that I'm going in, but again, you never know what's going to happen if you're actually going to follow through with something until you're actually in that situation. Mm-hmm. But I'm going in. I'm not waiting. And with SROs in schools, the thing with shootings is you want to minimize how many people either get injured or killed because realistically in these situations, somebody's going to get injured mm-hmm. and every second counts. So when you are not on the same page with the staff and your safety protocols aren't in place good, then that is going to make things take longer and the chances of more people getting killed. Even simple stuff. You think even security cameras. You know, schools invest a lot of money in certain things that at the end of the day are kind of insignificant. Safety is the biggest thing. If you're not safe in school and can't provide safety for these kids, then everything else really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So even security cameras. So if there was something that occurred, knowing where that threat is, having access to the school. There's some schools around the country that won't give their police officers uh, access to the schools because they're like, well, we don't want them having access to it. Hmm. Well, well, what's why? the point? Yeah. yeah. So oh, where that weird. would come up is if there was something that occurred and the cops couldn't get in, mm-hmm. that is an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not saying police are going to prevent everything, right, right. but having that extra security and someone that, if something does happen, to possibly be able to take out that threat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I do. I go back and forth on is the because my, my wife's a, a science teacher, mm-hmm. high school has been for a number of years, and she's like, "Man, we had another school shooting awareness day, and we had to go through drills all day." I'm like, once again, you're setting this this table it's like well there's probably going to be a school shooting so we're practicing what's going to happen when you know you guys your classroom gets shot up i just think that's a terrible thing to be put into the universe put not put in their heads like yeah you're probably gonna get shot up in class someday here Mm -hmm. like i I mean you know you know like i i I, I, I totally agree i I totally agree with your prevention and and knowing you got to know you got to have protocols uh to lean on when something happens but i just it's tough for me. Uh, so let me ask you this question. All right. So you've been doing fire drills ever since you were a kid, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me when the last time a kid died in a fire? I cannot. How many fire drills do you think they practice a year? Uh, I four. <laughs> I don't even know. Right. It's up there. They have a lot of fire drills. Yeah, yeah. And you can't even give me the last time that a kid even died in a fire, mm-hmm. which I'm sitting here saying that's still important because yeah. we want kids to be prepared for any situation. Right, right. But how many shootings have we had? Mm-hmm. Even just this year. But, okay, now I'm flipping it back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, your typical fire is, um, we'll call it an act of God, like something happens, sparks here or there. 
where if it's a shooting, we're talking about evil. We are we are like breathing life into this evil, saying it's going to happen. It's going to be here. Do you see where I'm coming from? Like I I wholeheartedly agree with you, and I do think that we have to have practice and protocols to lean on. And you also made a, a, another great point that I really liked, where we you don't know you don't truly know about a guy or a gal unless it happens. And how I kind of equate that back to my youth. Um, on the motorcycles, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the dirt bikes, I always had this mindset, you have to wreck once oh yeah, and then survive that wreck. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're either going to be like, that was awesome. And then you're, you're about it. Or you're gonna be like, all right, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can survive that first wreck and come out of it, okay. And think that was all right. Uh, then you're, you're built for it. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I get that. I get that uh, perspective that you're yeah. saying. So. No, and I completely understand where you're coming from. The thing is, it's people have a bunch of opinions about, hey, okay, if you're doing drills, and yes, you're putting it in the kids' minds, but also if somebody is thinking about actually carrying the act out, then mm-hmm. you are basically showing them what your plan is mm-hmm. to counter that. Yeah. But if you have no plan, right. then you're going to be worse off. Mm-hmm. Um, most majority of the school shooters, again, always an exception to everything, majority of them are taking the path, path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Where oh, you're, yeah, you're exactly They're right. not shooting down doors or shooting out glasses. Again, mm-hmm. exception to everything, um, where occasionally you may have somebody do that, especially if somebody's targeted. Mm-hmm. But the fight or, fight or flight uh, response. So the more that somebody is prepared... Mm-hmm. then the more chances that they're going to fight. Right. If they're not prepared, the more chances they're going to freeze up and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And there's even a chance that they still may do that anyway, even with right. all the training. Yeah. 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 But at least they're prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know if this has happened hundreds of times, even within this year, yeah. the chances of it, it's going to continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And even though it sounds bad to I'm say... I'm not turning a blind eye to it. No, I'm not I know. telling you you're wrong either. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm just explaining more stuff, especially since we have yep, the listeners For sure. um, that may feel a certain way about it. It's just always better to be prepared mm-hmm. than unprepared. Yeah, I I agree. I see both sides. And yeah. for you know the sake of the argument, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're presenting that and it maybe could be annoying or whatever. But I think just having that training or like you said, just the little bit of knowledge... Because, again, you don't know what you're going to do. Like, you, you could have practiced it 10 times, and maybe you would freeze, but hopefully not. It would come back to you or something. And but. I, I think what Andy's saying is it, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow that we have to accept the fact that we have to expose our children to this. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that we have to say, hey, this might happen in your yeah. life, and, and I'm sorry, and I understand well, you're innocent and so on and so forth, but you, yeah. you're going to have to get exposed to this. And I don't want to shield my child or yeah, children yeah. away from it and let them think that it's all rainbows and lollipops, but talking about school being a safe place, and then we're turning around saying, like, all right, now it's school shooting training day. You know, like right, yeah. you're sending a couple of different signals no, there. I, I get know, it. So. And, and I think that um, to what Howard was talking about, there's a huge value in the deterrent. And that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I like an SRO so much mm-hmm. in this particular subject is because if the, if the, the, um, the shooter understands that someone is there with a gun, exactly, the door's yeah. locked, they've all been trained on what they need to do, you know, all these kinds of things. A lot of those people are kind of opportunists and they're going to, they're going to avoid the situation where it's a lot harder. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Correct. And I'm not sitting here saying that an SRO is going to prevent everything because if somebody wants to really carry something out, then they're going to do it. And they're just going to try to think of a plan around it or, or whatnot, or, um, but like you said, the prevention piece, but also having a school resource officer in the school that gets to know the kids. And we're police officers, so we think differently mm. to where educators, hey, yes, you're getting to know the kid, but also you're educating and teaching them something to where mm-hmm. this isn't your specialty. Like us as police, I may see something out of place mm-hmm. that I'm like, hey, this isn't mm-hmm. right to where an administrator they're just like, no, that didn't trigger me. 
So you're, so you're saying the value is in the fact that that officer can have like early identification of something yes. before it actually turns into something. That, that is yeah. the biggest thing where the next step that I think that we have to take we're, right now, we are too reactive mm. and we have to start yeah. becoming more proactive. We actually have some stuff coming up in Bellevue that I'm hoping to to get done um, that's different. So I sit on the Sarpy County threat assessment team where if we do have somebody that may be a threat um, to others, um, in particular school shootings or maybe not even be that deep, but just somebody headed down that road because typically they just don't start out as school shooters. Mm -hmm. It's something else lower. Mm -hmm. So where we actually have mental health professionals and the county attorney's office, police, to where we come together and we look at each individual case and decide what resources does this person need to help them out. Um, The next step I want to get to is being more proactive, building Mm -hmm. relationships with these people, checking on them constantly to see how they're doing. And that way, the better we know them, then the quicker we're able to identify if there is an issue and we can intervene so that way this person doesn't just fly off the handle and do something mm-hmm. crazy. You know, it really goes back to a point you made earlier, Ben, treating people like people, caring. Right. Like yeah. you see something, say something. You know, I, I want to throw a hypothetical, and you might have dealt with this. Um, Ashley was telling me about a couple of students, and she goes, oh, yeah, she's a cutter. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And it became a big thing at this high school where girls were just cutting their, their yeah. wrists, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you're like, of course, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm like, well, what do you do about that? What do you say to these girls? We're, we're told not to talk about it, not to bring it. I'm like, my God, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, they are actively cutting themselves. They're, like, screaming for some type of attention, and what you do is turn up. I thought that was just... Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the school is wrong, but I'm saying the school is wrong. It's like someone yeah. needs to pull that girl aside. It's like, why are you mutilating your arm, mimicking, you know, cutting your wrist? Like, what is going on? Like, I and I don't have the answer. I don't know. And is that so? Is that something that you yeah, like if, a, if, you, if you see a cutter or someone doing mutilating themselves like that, or they come to you and say like, I'm cutting myself. Like, how do you respond as an SRO? Yeah, that's stuff that we deal with all the time. Like I said, in school, that's mm-hmm. daily. Yeah. And if, if they're cutting, you know, we can place somebody in emergency protective custody if they're a harm to themselves or mm-hmm. others. So with the cutting sense, a lot of the people that are doing it, they're not doing it to kill themselves or harm themselves. They're doing it to say, release the pain. No, they're saying that it releases pain oh. and that they're going through. So absolutely, it needs to be addressed. And you got to figure out. Why? Um, Even with therapy, people also need to realize when people are going through stuff like that or somebody has mental health issues, A, there's no magic pill, magic thing that you can say to somebody that's going Mm -hmm. to, you got to figure out what it's going to take to get through to them. Some people, you never get through to them. Right, right. And so with the cutting stuff is they need therapy um, to try to identify what's going on to help them turn it around. You need to be concerned about all that are doing that. But the ones you really need to be concerned about, especially are the ones that you may not be able to see. Because yeah, the ones that are doing on up. the arm, some, they're cutting in between toes and their feet, inside their, their thighs and those things mm, because geez. they don't want people to see. And those are areas that we're not going to look at. So yeah. um, there's a ton of other stuff going on in these kids' lives that we just have to be aware of. Um, especially when you get into either the self-harm and the suicidal stuff. Um, There are some kids that just do it for attention. Yeah. And it's tough to figure out which because you have some kids who may, hey, my parents took my cell phone away and so now I can't talk to my friends. So now I'm going to say I'm going to kill myself as a manipulation. So then Mm -hmm. the kid keeps saying it, keeps saying it. And then as a parent, you're like, well, nope, I know they're not going to do it, but then – what if they follow through? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it sucks because you're in a tough spot. Yeah. So as an SRO, I just know I take all of that stuff seriously. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be on the safe side. Mm-hmm. And, hey, if a kid is telling me they're going to kill themselves and they're only doing it to manipulate, then we still get them the help. We still, if we need to get them to the hospital, we do it. Because if a kid is just trying to manipulate and they're going to the hospital, then they're going to be like, no, I don't want to go here anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 
there are some other cases where they may be serious. And yeah. Then, yeah, but yeah. those are tough. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just feel like the kids are screaming for help. You know what I mean? I feel like in just the little bit that we've talked about, we've painted the picture that I, I think I knew most of it in my mind, but, you know, you've brought to light a lot of things that I didn't really understand. And I think the majority of our country doesn't understand. And it, you you almost have to ask yourself when we sit here and talk about this, how do you find a person that can do all of these things that you were talking about and be essentially a, you know, a warrior, a protector with a gun? You know what I mean? That has both of those extremes. That has that extreme that they're they're willing to run into the bullets, but also that extreme that they can be soft enough to sit there and figure out about some kid that's having a real yeah. problem at home. Be yeah. a mentor for all the kids. Yeah. You know, you were talking about playing the Magic the Gathering <laughs> you know, on the previous one. You know, you got to yeah. reach out to all the kids. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it, that, that's such a crazy, that's a special it, it's person. such a crazy ask. But, and then when you think more and more about it, it reiterates for me, I think it is literally one of the most important jobs in our country right now. And I think every single school should have one. I think every single school should have two. And I think the school districts and the the towns should pay for it. I think it should be a regular hmm. expected position, just like anything else in a school. Okay, hmm. but let me – this was going through my head. What is your thought on – so we're out in a small town. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I don't, I'm not even sure at, at Plattsmouth if they do that. But like smaller districts, smaller schools – I mean, again, it goes back to probably funding. Um, there's probably some mm-hmm. in the country mm-hmm. that do, but still even in that small. Yep, because I, I think the picture that we've painted here is that it's mis- it's, it's not that we're it's, it's not that we're worried about that guy or that lady standing there with a gun and protecting the front door. It's that we need them to bring that influence that they can bring to that school every single day. Not only yeah. for the kids that are struggling, but for yeah. kids who aren't struggling they're just regular kids and they can have that interaction with the police yeah. officer and they yeah. can get to know someone behind but then behind for the our badge. town that would have to be the county well it would be here yes but that's what i'm sure. saying so yep. that that's got to be a normal thing and many other small it, schools and like you growing up went to a, your town was 300 so yeah, like yeah, I graduated with, you know i mean yeah. that's what i'm trying to like Think of how would that actually look? I mean, I don't know how it would. I don't know how you make that work. But I what I'm saying is that it needs to be a priority. Yeah, Yeah. it needs to be as much of a priority as the vice principal position, you know, or whatever. It needs to be a position that is written into (laughs) the rules and it it's it's planned on. It's funded. It's done. And then the hard work begins. And that is finding that individual that we just described. That right. is well, the first thing that I believe needs to be addressed, which is a continued problem, is small towns mm-hmm. or you think school districts that maybe they're more well off that they think they don't, they don't need, need one it. because that stuff won't happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And what people need to understand is it can happen anywhere. And that's already been proven. Mm-hmm. And whether it's, you know, uh, a kid that comes from a well-off family, yeah, they may not be in poverty, but they face different issues that may make them snap and go off about, hey, my parents aren't home and they aren't involved in my life. They're only concerned about work and making money and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, or you may get a person that just says, hey, people don't think it's going to happen over here. So yeah, I yeah. want to make a statement and mm-hmm. show then I'm going to go do like it over here. Like we said here. easier. Like yep. we said earlier, yeah. that's the easier target. Yep. Yeah. Those are weak people. And yep. because sometimes people tend not to pay attention to certain things. You know, you look at something where if you think gun violence and you look in in North Omaha at certain schools to where, hey, they find somebody brings a weapon to school. People think that's the norm down there. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't get that much attention. But let something happen out west. To where sure. yep. this isn't supposed to happen at. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it's on the news and people yeah. are like, oh, we got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So people have to understand that it doesn't matter where you're at. This is a priority to make these kids yeah. safe. I don't care if you're at a private Catholic school. Um, we've seen one just just happen. Mm-hmm. So absolutely agree with you. Make it a priority. In some of those small towns, the pay is different. So it's not okay. like... <laughs> 
Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's not like a, an officer in a small town is getting paid the same as in Omaha. Mm-hmm. You know, typically the, the pay matches up with where you're at. So yeah. there's grants and stuff out there yeah. that if people really wanted to find money to fund it, they could. You know, yeah. with, that was a previous uh, podcast, Ben Hates Money. And, and the mm-hmm. bottom line is if it's a priority, we'll find the funding. Yeah. Yeah. But it needs that's the first domino it needs to fall is it needs to be a priority. 100%. Okay. Yep. No, I like that you saying it's a position. You're not going to open a school, have a school without a principal. Right. Like, yeah. hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, and I think, again, we've we've already painted the picture that not only is the security piece of it important, but almost even more important is just that day-to-day interaction. Yes. And the the mm-hmm. influence that mm-hmm. in, that individual brings and the different perspective that that individual brings because of their training and, and because of their job. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's priceless. I mean, you've but, talked about it a couple times and you're super humble about it, but the influence you have brought to so many kids and them, you know, I'm sure coming back and going, like you said, off air, you're you know, going to graduations and whatever, like that's huge. There's people that are police officers because of what you've shown them and what you've done. And, so. and he said, I mean, he's doing, he's gone down this road because of the influence that he had from his Absolutely. first SRO. So, so you know, yeah. you know, yeah, there's, when I first got into it, first year of SRO, mm-hmm. I thought, you can change every kid. I probably walked into it just like any teacher where I'm excited <laughs> saying, hey, I'm going to make a difference and change every kid. And I realized quickly I'm going to kill myself from stress thinking that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to try. I still said I'm going to put forth all the effort that I have to change every kid, but I know that's not going to happen. Yeah. There's been kids that I've been there SRO that have died, still strung out on drugs, still on the wrong side of the law. But I say this. When I policed on the street, um, even when I worked over the summer as and went back to the street to do stuff, if there was somebody fighting that, and this isn't all but many, and fighting, doing something crazy on the street that officers either came in contact with or whatnot, when I showed up, the kid would say, I may not like cops, but because he is here, I'm not going, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing because I'm not going to disrespect him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get that person to respect all the other police officers there, but they at least had enough respect for me because of our relationship that they listened and we could get our job done and go on about our business. There you go. That's all yeah. you need to hear right yeah. there. I mean, it, it goes back you know. to just p- people to people, yep. you know. Yep. Um, so let's end this on a high note, uh, and hopefully this doesn't put you on the spot. I got, I've got one last question. Can you think of any particular scenario, any particular student that you remember – that you had an influence on and kind of what that turned into and like something that you're most proud of. I have a bunch of stories, but (laughs) I'll tell you one that may not be sound very significant, but I know it was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a student, not the brightest. I knew educationally just didn't learn very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Whole family, gang blood members. He actually was from Omaha, came to Bellevue because his he still lived in Omaha, but his parents just wanted him in a different environment. Mm. Um, he and I, we clicked. And I just knew that his family wasn't wouldn't be happy to see him communicating with the police officer and whatnot. So I knew that his whole entire family and him were heavy gang activity. And when I got there and we start talking and whatnot, we established such a good relationship that it's called an IEP. So individual education plan. Mm-hmm. So that a kid may have um, for different ways to deal with them in school. If they have certain issues or been diagnosed with something mm-hmm. and it was unheard of for an SRO to be in that IEP. I was in his IEP because I was one of the only ones in the school that he would listen to and could get him to calm down. We had a different way of interacting with each other that if somebody from the outside seen it, they may say, oh, this is wrong. And me, I'm just like, hey, everybody's different. I need to adapt to them and learn what it takes to get through to each one of them. Mm -hmm. I know how I can be to each and every student that I deal with. So him in particular, our relationship was so got to be so good that 
he one day was upset and was about to fight. Mm-hmm. And so I got called and he's pissed. And so he's going off and I'm like, what's wrong? So he's telling me the story. And I just looked at him and I said, look, if you want to fight, let's me and you go to the rest of the room right now. And whoever walks out wins. And he just completely relaxed and looked at me and he just said, I'm not fighting you. <laughs> and he calmed down and then, okay, take your butt back to class and calm down and let's go on with our day. Mm-hmm. And he did it. Yeah. So we had a ton of interactions like that. Um, he'd walk past me. He'd start rapping. And, you know, I'd listen to a song at the schools. I used to host rap battles. Like nice. It was crazy because the teachers would, one day there was a big group and Honestly, the group was people of color. Uh So on the radio, it was, oh, they're about to fight. And I'm just thinking, okay, this is what feeds into the perception. Mm -hmm. Why is it just because they're together and come to find out all these kids were doing was just rapping? So I then went up there and start hosting these rap battles during (laughs) passing period, which I said, hey, you guys got two and a half minutes. If any cussing or anything is done. And they respected that. They do the little rapping and go on. So... Just kind of more stuff, but yep, with this one kid in particular, where I knew I had made the biggest impact was one day he and I were talking, and somebody had gotten shot that he was talking about, and he was talking about how in the hood we don't snitch. Mm -hmm. Hey, we don't snitch. Nope, I'm not saying anything. So I looked at him, and I said, so if somebody shot me, you wouldn't say anything, And and you knew? And he just sucked his teeth and he said, man, Officer Banks, you know, if somebody shot you or did something to you, I would tell. And right then I knew how much of an impact because he's from the streets. This kid isn't saying nothing. And shortly around that same time period, there was actually a female who was going off on me and cussing me out and I'll do this to you. And then. All of a sudden, I see the same student that I'm talking about oh, gosh. come out and he starts going off, cussing her out and trying to fight her, saying, if you ever disrespect Officer Banks like that again, I'll beat you. You know what? <laughs> and so I knew that I had had such an impact on him. Um, I don't know where he's at today. Um, I pray that it's at least something positive, but mm-hmm. I wasn't too optimistic um, based off the environment that he was in. Yeah. Mm. And that was, yeah, if you think about that, that environment that he was in, you know, you talked about trying to make the school a safe place. That that probably was one of the most comfortable places for him to be. Mm-hmm. He loved coming to school, not necessarily for the education, yeah, yeah. because yeah. he felt safe. He would come to me all the time, rap, talk to me about different stuff. I'd give him advice. He'd try to stand there and talk to me forever. I'm like, take your you-know-what back to class. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I got you. And then go back to class. And I'd eat lunch with him. If he does some good stuff, I'd bring him up food. Yeah, we just had a good relationship. And you can't do that stuff if you're not in right. there right with him. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. like that. Man, it's a good story. Yep. So uh, to close this out, we have with with all with all of our guests that we have, we have a gift, and we want to give you a gift. So we work with this company um, in Nebraska, in O'Neill, Nebraska, called Handlebend, and that is this thing right here. So, this is it. as you can see, what these guys do out there is they hand make pieces out of copper. So this is all made in their shop. You can see that package that they put together is pretty cool. It's all just, you know, hand put together. It's got that little crowbar on the side for you to open it up. You know, it's just super cool packaging. Like that's something you would see in like a crazy knickknack store somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. But in that is their handmade copper mugs. So those mugs have the farm focused logo on it, our company here. Um, it's just a super cool gift. And we wanted to make sure that we gifted one of those to you. And uh, thank you for coming out here. I truly appreciate it. I don't need gifts. No, man. I really don't like getting stuff. But um, (laughs) no, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me get on here and share just a little bit of stuff. Yeah, 100%. We hope to have you back, man. Because I think there's a lot of of other topics that we can tackle. Um, And I think folks, after having listened to this, uh, they're going to be entertained. They're going to be intrigued. Absolutely, it's uh, it's it's some very interesting topics. So I'm I'm excited to get these recordings out. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, thanks for the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's been fun. Thank all of you. I appreciate it, man. You guys have any other questions? Or I anything? don't. I don't. You know, no, this was no great. Problem. Yeah, thanks, Howard. Well, Thank school you. resource. It's nice to see officer. you again. Yeah, for sure. School resource officers. It's. Uh, I think we've we've made the point clear. It's in my mind. I think in all of our minds, it's extremely important. Yes. Yeah. And I think the conversation will go on. I'm looking forward to the conversation going on around the country with that um, mm. with that job. I think you were kind of ahead of the curve. And it's it's going to take guys like you who understand this thing to teach everybody this is why this is important. What it so, could be. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's a lot of good ones out there. There is. Now 100%. that are doing that work that yeah. are just, they're overshadowed by the bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. So to yep. the good ones, keep doing what you're doing. 100%. Awesome. Man. Love it. Well, Lieutenant Howard Banks, we appreciate it, man. All right. All right. Appreciate Thank it. you. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace. Later.